0: This is an awesome, awesome day, and it is the culmination of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I just want you to know that for every day since we began the prayer and fasting on January the 6th, I think it was, whatever that Sunday was, every day since that day, there have been a group of people in this room pouring out our hearts to God in prayer. And I believe God answers that and I believe that what's happening in our church is the direct result of the anointing of God on this place. <clears throat> and I thank you for being a part of that. Now, I want to encourage all of our people who are what we call our A-team, our people who serve. All of you who are on our A-team, would you just lift your hand up real quick? A lot of them have to slip out because they've been here since 7 o'clock this morning. But thank you. Last night here in this room, we We took all the seats out and brought tables in. And we made this like a banquet room. And we served over 100 of our volunteers. Many couldn't come, but we served over 100 of our volunteers right here in this room a delicious meal. We served everything. They didn't have to do anything because we just want you to know that we appreciate you. And we are honored. There were all of our staff we served. We put aprons on, and we were serving food, and we brought tea. and I mean, we did all of that to honor those people. And so I just want to say a big thank you to all of our people who serve on our A-team, and especially this morning. Go ahead. Especially the parking people, because they've been out in the pouring rain since while well, they were putting the stuff out. I saw Randy here before eight this morning. So God bless you doing what you do. Thank you for coming this morning and being a part of what God is doing. I just want to say again how thankful we are that we were able to go through a period of prayer and fasting. But let me encourage you don't let that be the last time this year that you go and do yeah. that. Yeah. You need to be in a, a state of prayer, but there needs to be set aside times this year where you, without anyone else knowing it, spend some time fasting. Remember this, prayer builds our fellowship and relationship with God. Fasting disengages the pull of the world on our lives. And so we need to always be praying and fasting and reaching out to our Father. And just as a side note, last night... We, we actually, all of us, broke our fast last night. It, we didn't have a break fast. You know, the breakfast, that's what that word. Breakfast means break the fast. That's when the monks would break their fast. It would be that morning meal. So they just called it breakfast or breakfast. We didn't do it on, in breakfast. We wanted to do it last night because we had grilled, oh, ribs and chicken and all the fixings and all of those. But we had one thing. Because on my fast for 21 days, <clears throat> I, had, uh, I did a, my own thing, but I did no sugar. And I said, Kathy's not here, but except for my wife and my grandchildren, I had no sugar for 21 days <clears throat> until last night. And I don't know whose idea it was, but on every one of these tables, there were like 10 or 12 big round tables, and I don't know how many were in here, maybe 20, I don't know. They all had a lot of candy. You know, like Hershey's Kisses, those kind of little things that are wrapped up in aluminum foil that takes you a long time to get off. One of those was laying in the back room where we were serving and preparing the plates. I saw it. I said, Lord, is it your will? And I heard as clear as I can tell you today, a voice from heaven said, take and eat all of it. Amen? And I grabbed that Hershey's Kissy thing and I started tearing that aluminum off of it. And I didn't know this, but they have those things. Now you can get white chocolate and dark chocolate in there. I saw that is a double blessing right there from God. And I threw that thing in my mouth and you know what? That was the first time in 21 days and it was so good. But Todd, the guy up here doing our uh, transition time was back there with me. And he kind of hit me on the arm and he said, I already had mine, Pastor. (laughs) But it was an awesome time. And we do that because we love you. We know that we could not do what we do here without the anointing of God and without the activation of people into the ministry of our church. So, Pastor Stephen, if he could be standing here right now, he would say to you, I love you and I appreciate you. And are you ready to get into the Word? Amen? All right. Open your Bible to Ecclesiastes. I'll give you a second to find that. Is that in the Old or the New Testament, someone? Old, Old, okay. And if you were going to Psalms and you kept turning to the right in your Bible, what would you run into? Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is one of the three books that King Solomon wrote. He wrote one book in his young life when he was romantic and all of those things, and we call that the... Song of Solomon. Then in his midlife, he wrote a book of wisdom where he could help us to understand how to live our lives, and that is the book of Proverbs. But as an old man like me, as he looked back on his life, he began to write down things that he had learned, and so that is the book of Ecclesiastes. And in that book, in chapter uh, 4, he gives us a principle. We're going to read this. But then we're going to look to the New Testament and we're going to find some practical applications of this principle. So let's just read for a moment, uh, beginning in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls, and there's no one there to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? By the way, as a sidebar, that was before we invented electric blankets, okay? Okay, you get the drift of that, okay. And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. But a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Let's pray. Father, we ask You now that through this Word, which is inspired, it is inerrant, it is the foundation upon which we live, this Word, activated through our faith, as it's revealed through Your Holy Spirit, would change our lives and change the lives of the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, to go ahead and answer your questions, some of you uh, were thinking, but I'm going to answer it, 66, Alabama. That means I'm 66 years old, and I'm from Alabama, so you get that out of the way, you just need to know that up front, okay? Now, so I want to tell you a little bit about my upbringing. Uh, Growing up in southeast Alabama on a farm, uh, I grew up in church, as my sons will tell you that they were, I had a drug problem growing up. I was drugged to church all the time. My parents (laughs) drug us to church. On Sunday mornings, we would get up, and uh, there were three boys in my family, so we would all get up, and we put on our Sunday clothes. That's the clothes you wear on Sunday back when I was growing up, and those clothes included a pair of shoes that were always too tight. They hurt like crazy, and we had to wear those things. So we would get up, get dressed, and we would go to church. And we went there, an hour early for this thing that they call Sunday school. Anybody know anything about Sunday school? Those days are far gone for a lot of people. But we had Sunday school for an hour. We sat in a little classroom on these little chairs that hurt when you sat down on them. They were wood, and they had little places that would pinch you because they had little slats. And if you wiggled wrong, they would make, they, it hurt, okay? We sat in those for an hour, and then we got up, and then we went out into the worship center, which was probably about, A little bit bigger than our stage. It was a very small church with about 40 people in it. And for an hour there, we listened to piano and singing, and the pastor would get up and yell and scream. That was our Sunday morning. But we had to come back Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock, sit in the same chair in the same little room, go through some other kind of study, then go into the worship center, go through another whole worship service, another sermon, then we would go outside and play until our parents got ready to go. That was our Sunday. But it's not over yet, folks. Because on Wednesday, about 5.30, dark, 6 o'clock, depending, we were at church again. And we were in that same little chair in the same little room being taught something else And then we went in and had a big church prayer meeting time, and then we played outside and we went. I grew up with at least five to six hours a week with my rear end in either a slat chair or a pew that was made out of strips of wood, and they would pinch as well. That's how I grew up. Six hours a week in there. Let me tell you something about that. You know what that did? that built in me a sense of what we called, and I don't hear it anymore, but when I I grew up Southern Baptist, and we would say this in our churches, church family. We just talked about our church family. Oh, we talked about it because we felt like our church was our family because we spent a lot of time down there. And we had this family feeling about church. Now, I love the modern church. I do. I love our worship. I love the lights. I love the haze that comes up. I wish that Pastor Stephen would let us, but he won't. I wish they would fill this up when I'm preaching with haze back here, you know, <laughs> and shine these, shine these lights through and throw a little, you know, but he's not. I hope you, you're not going to kill me for saying that. I'm pointing right in your face, Stephen, because he's watching. But we, I love that. I love all that we do in the modern church. I just, I love it. I changed years ago. I decided what we were doing wasn't working, so I'd better change or I'm going to keep getting the same results I was getting. And I love what we do. I love people coming to an altar and having oil poured on them and being prayed over. I love those kinds of things. But I want to tell you something, folks. If we are not careful, the modern church with all that we have is going to lose something that the traditional churches that I grew up in had. Now, follow me for just a moment. Now, I am not one of these, and if you post that picture on your Facebook, and I see it again, I want to just come through your computer and just, you know, kind of choke you a little bit. But please, don't post the picture that's all out there of this little church, this little sanctuary thing. It's probably not as big as this platform, and it's got wooden seats, one light hanging down, no air conditioning, and a little pulpit up there, and people are all saying, "Like, oh, I just wish we could get rid of this big mega church thing and go back to our roots and be back in those little churches. That's where I found the Lord. Well, let me tell you something. I don't ever want to go back there. I was tired of my rear end being pinched by those boards in there. I was tired of sitting there and using a funeral home. Anybody know what a funeral home fan is? Come on, somebody say amen. You know what it is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you, you, you do this. You, it's hot. The windows were open. The piano was out of tune. The musicians could barely play. Boom, boom, you know. That. I'm sorry, I love them and they did all they could do, but man, I love what we're doing and I don't ever want to go back there. But there's something that I would like to bring from that into the modern church. And that is a sense of community, a sense of family. And I want to tell you, if you're here today and you're new, I want you to know that the heartbeat, the culture, Pastor Stephen said it three or four years ago when we began to move in the area of B groups. He said, Dad, back then he was the youth pastor. And he said, Dad, I want community groups, we call them B groups, I want that to be the heartbeat of Generation Church, at that time Seabreeze Church. That's who we are. And I'm, I'm fully on board with that. I teach, I'll be teaching a class on Wednesday night in our room next to the lobby, uh, uh, going through uh, verse by verse of the Gospel of Mark. If we call it Cultivate, we're digging deeper there. I love what we're doing but I think we need to keep always the family feeling of what church is all about. We are a church family. Now, our church has three words that we use to describe what we are. And you're here today and you are say, well, this is my first Sunday. Well, that is great because you're going to get to hear from the old guy tell you who we are and I don't know anyone that knows who the family is better than the old guy I mean you go see your grandparents because you want to find out about how the, well that's what I'm up here today I want you to know who we are as a church here are the three words write these down or put them in the notes in your phone number one is the word activate that starts with an a activate number two is the word belong B. And number three is the word cultivate, and that is a C. So we are an ABC church. That's easy. It's easy as ABC. Say, so, well, what is Generation Church all about? ABC Activate, belong, and cultivate. That's who we are. That's why we do what we do. That's the heartbeat of our church. Now, it's interesting that we have the B in the middle between the A and the C. And there's, I mean, obviously the alphabet goes that way, but there's a reason why that's important. Because Christianity is not just about doing stuff. Christianity is not just about knowing stuff. Christianity is about doing life with each other, belonging to a family. And in our church, we have... uh, B groups, that's what the B stands for. Those are our groups where people can connect. And so as I was, uh, Stephen asked me late yesterday afternoon, he sent me a text, he said, Dad, they're not going to release me, I've got to stay in the hospital, and can you preach? I said, well, yes, I can preach. I, you know, 42 years, I better be able to do something. And I said, I will do it. And of course, I have some sermons that I've preached about six zillion times that I could just pull out and preach again. But God said last night, he said, no, that's not what I want you to do. So you're actually hearing the sermon you're going to hear the second time I've ever preached it. And it's a sermon about connecting. And I think God wanted me to do that because God wanted us to know that Generation Church is a place to build family. It is a place to connect. Now, it's not going to hurt my feelings if you say amen every once in a while, okay? <laughs> not going to hurt them at all. I, first service was shouting me down. I don't know. Maybe they I told them, I said, look, the louder you amen, the shorter I preach. So that was just kind of the deal. Amen. Hey, amen. Good, 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 good. And if you throw in a few applauses, it even gets shorter, Okay, so... <laughs> But I want to just dive in for a minute and and help me as I preach this morning because I believe the burden of the Lord is upon me and I believe the blessing of the Lord will be upon you if you take the burden that's on me and allow the Spirit of God to transform that into your life. Because I want to tell you something, church. We're not here trying to get you to do something. Oh, we want you to join an A team and start working. What? We need you to do that, but that's not our purpose. We're not here trying to get you to join a B group. We want you to, but that's not our purpose. You see, our purpose is to help you find your purpose and then fulfill your potential. And we believe, based on the Word of God, we believe that you can find your purpose and fulfill your Uh, potential as you are plugged into a church family, as you activate your gifts, as you belong to groups and the family, and as you cultivate, grow deeper in your knowledge of the Word of God. Can I just get an amen there so I can move on? Good. That's what our purpose is. We want you to find your purpose and fulfill your potential. Now, are you connected or, as you heard in the testimony this morning, do you just kind of show up to church, enjoy it, say hi to folks in the lobby, then go home, and then come back next week? Or, are you connected? Okay, so let's talk about being connected. Now, there are three words that I want to give you about, you know, I'm a typical preacher. I've got three points. I don't have a poem, but I've got three points. The first point is that in our B groups, you will find a place to connect. B-groups are all about connecting. Now, we don't do this thing of Christianity alone. I mean, we are in... God made us to be in relationship with Him and with others. He didn't just create, create Adam and say, You're it, guy. No, there, there we get a family And that's God's intention for you. You can't just fly this thing solo. I think you've probably done this study or heard sermons on this study, but it's interesting if you go and investigate the phrase in the Bible, one another. One another. Now, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but is one another singular or plural? Is there more to one another than just one I think so, amen? There's more to one another than just one. So all through the Bible, especially in the New Testament after the church has been established in the day of Pentecost, there's this phrase, one another. So I think God's trying to say to us that Christianity is a one another experience, okay? Now, there's some of the things that we are told to do one to another. We are to love one another, amen? Love one another. We are to forgive one another. Amen for that? Yes, absolutely. We are to admonish one another. We need to be admonished from time to time. Amen? Amen? We need that. We are to admonish one another. We are to bear with one another. Now that's a good one to have, right? Because yeah. Not everybody's perfect like you. So you need to learn how to bear with those of us who are not perfect. Amen. Can just somebody let me know over here on my left that you understand that. We're not all perfect and we need to learn to bear with one another. I can bear with myself, but it's not a solo thing. I have to bear with you because we're in this together. It's not a solo flight. We comfort one another. I love that. I love the comforting, and we're going to spend some time on that this morning. I love the comforting of one another. This is all about connecting, and you find that in those small groups. When Kathy and I got married, I had already spent a year at Florida State. I'm a Seminole, by the way, the University, the university of Florida, Florida State. That's where we are. But I had been there for you. Yeah, I actually had a football scholarship At Florida State, and so when I got married, Kathy moved down there, and we lived there in a little mobile home park. And uh, she was being the spiritual leader in our family at that time. We found a little church that we started. uh, She started going to. I went once or twice, and she would go to church every Sunday morning in our little trailer that we lived in. There was I had one suit. I guess my mother had bought that for me, but I had one suit. It was a, a reddish twi- twill, almost like the color of this carpet. And I had some of those platform shoes. You know, guys, way back then, you had the square toe and the real high heel. And I had a tie that would be so big that it, you know, it was, had a knot in it. The tie was real wide. And every Now, listen, ladies, I want to give you an encouragement. Every Sunday morning, my little wife, we had no children. Every Sunday morning, she'd get up. She would get dressed for church. And the closet was at the foot of our bed, about that much space between the bed and the closet. She would open up that little closet and she would take my suit and lay it on the foot of the bed. And she said, honey, I'm getting ready to go to church. And she would lay my suit out on the bed and she would go to church. So what? When she came back, guess what? I practiced football all week. I've been in college all week. I needed to rest. When she came back, guess where I was? Right where she left me. She took my suit. She hung it back up in the closet. She did that week after week after week until one day she asked me to go with her to a hamburger cookout. Now, how many can say that's a good place to go, right? (laughs) When you get invited to a hamburger cookout, you go. And so I went and we went to the church. Then it was University Heights Baptist Church. And so we went to church. That Saturday afternoon, I get out of the car. I'd been a couple of times to that church. I knew the people, they knew me. We get out of the car, walk up to a group of about 40 or 50 people, young couples in the Sunday school class. And Willie Meggs, who was state's attorney in Tallahassee for years, was the teacher, and he had a, a spatula thing that you flip hamburgers with. And as I walked up, he turned that thing around and handed me the handle of that spatula. And he said, hey, can you flip burgers? Well, what choice did I have? I mean, right? You handed me the thing. I better learn how to do it. And I started flipping burgers. The next time Kathy got up and put my suit on the bed and went to church, you know what happened? I got up and I put my suit on, which I don't like to wear, but I put my suit on and I went to church. And I have never missed, unless I've been in the hospital or sick or something, never missed in those 45, 46 years. You know why? Because I discovered, that's okay, it was Kathy's fault, not mine, okay? She did. She was faithful. But I went to that church because I experienced a sense of community. Those people, I I just connected with them. And it wasn't like that church down there. It was, those are my people. Those are my friends. Some of those guys that I went to church with have been lifelong friends. It's important to connect. And we offer you that opportunity. Now there's a second word that that our B groups help us to do. And uh, just bear with me for a moment because when I put this sermon together uh, last night, this was my closing of the, of the sermon. I had to redo it because I didn't want the sermon to end on a negative note. But there is a second thing that happens in our B groups, and it is the word correction. If you'll turn to the book of James, here is an illustration of the principle that's found in Ecclesiastes. James is way over near the back. James tells us that it is very important. We'll just, without reading all of the verses, just turn to James chapter five and let's look in verse 19 and 20. Verses 19 and 20. This is the, the section we're talking about laying hands on people, praying for them and all of those kinds of things. But in that context, the body of Christ, elders of the church, the communion, the family of faith that gathered wherever James was writing this letter to, James is saying to them in verse 19, my brethren, If any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Now that verse speaks to me. Those two verses speak to me because it tells me that there is a straight path. Now you listen carefully to your pastor this morning. I want you to understand that as a child of God, I do not have an option to say, well, you know, the culture says this about sexuality. The culture says this about marriage. The culture says this about when life begins. That's what the culture is saying. But I don't have an option to stray over into that cultural line. I like an amen right there. Come on now. Come on now. I'm going to start preaching here in a minute, all right? I don't have the option to stray and say, oh, well, this is good, this is cultural. I cultural. As long as I say these words correctly and follow them, then I'm okay, and the culture likes me, and everybody at work likes me. And you know what I just did? There is a straight line, this book right here. And this book has very clear instructions for how I live my Christian life. But if I'm not careful, and if you're not careful, do you know what I start doing? I start going a little bit like this. Now, I'm not very far off, just a little bit, but you know what happens when you draw a line from a point that should be going straight and you just move it a little bit at the beginning? By the time it gets out there, it's just like way over there. And I'm afraid that the church is allowing the culture to put us on the path that we go on when we really should rely on the Word of God. Now, no, well, yeah, amen. Yeah. Now, but now listen, we all, in our lives, will sometimes just kind of get distracted a little bit. Yeah. We can just kind of drift a yeah. little bit, yeah. and, and we don't know that. I mean, honestly, it, I'm not being critical of people. But you just sometimes the culture just pulls us, and before we know it, we've drifted a little bit. And if you don't have anyone in your life, to speak truth into your life, who can be honest with you and bring a spirit of correction into your life. Do you know what's going to happen? You're just going to keep drifting and drifting, yeah, yeah. And, drifting, yeah. and, drifting yeah. and drifting and drifting. And and before you're long you're, just long, you're just going way over there. Yeah. Way you know what? That is one of the beautiful things about small groups. Because in small groups, there is a there's a correcting process because it gives you an opportunity to hear other people and it gives you an opportunity to, to look into the Word. And in that small connection group, there is a correcting of the drifting. So please, don't think you're perfect. Don't think you don't need people to speak truth into your life. We all do. But if you're flying this thing solo and you show up on Sunday and go home then you don't have anyone that you've given permission to speak truth into your life. So let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. Find a group that suits you. Get into that group and allow people in that group to speak correction into your life. Amen? Amen. Give God a good amen right there. All right, come on. Because we're going to move to the next point. It's a real positive point, but I just want you (laughs) to understand. That when we gather in our B groups, we gather for a time of connecting and we gather for a time of correcting. But there's a third thing that we gather for and that is we gather for a time of comforting. We all need people to comfort us. Can you turn with me now to Galatians chapter 6? I said, first service is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. Someone said, every time you preach, Donnie, that's your favorite passage. Well, it is. But I can be that way, okay? I'm 66. I won't remember tomorrow what my favorite passage is, so whatever I'm preaching next time, that will be my favorite passage. (laughs) Galatians chapter 6. Our B groups are a place to find comfort. You need someone in your... Look, you need someone who can keep you from drifting, but you all also need someone who can help you in lifting. Okay? Yes. Now you catch that. I said that on purpose. You need people to help you keep from drifting, but you also need people to help you with lifting. All right? Now let's look in Galatians chapter 6. Brethren, Paul says the same things James just said. Brethren, if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. I'm glad for that. I'm glad he doesn't say, when you find someone caught in a trespass, kick them out. The most influ- One of the most influential men in my seminary experience, beginning in 1978, was a little man who had written a book. And his book was entitled, now listen carefully Single Adults Want to Be the Church Too. Because back in those days in my denomination, I'm not going to ask you how many of you have been divorced. But if I knew that, probably half the hands or more would go up in here. In our denomination back then, if you were divorced, you had no place in the church other than to sit in a seat and write your name on your check every week. That was always a good thing, right? But Dr. Jordan wrote a book, and he counseled me a lot. He said, Donnie, there is no sin that God cannot forgive. And I thought... You know, that does make sense. And Paul says that if someone is caught in a trespass, don't kick them out. Don't stomp them down. Don't make them feel guilty about it. Let the Holy Spirit do His job in their life. But he said, you restore them. Amen? Aren't you glad God didn't kick you out for every sin and mistake you've made? Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Oh, what a spirit it is. Now, oh, keep reading. Each one looking to yourself, don't get pride, prideful because you might stumble too, lest you too be tempted. But look in verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. If you're flying in a single-engine airplane and you're the only person in it and you're the pilot and you're at 12,000 feet and you're flying along and all of a sudden you get a really bad pain in your chest and you think, oh no, I'm about to buy the farm. Oh no, it's, this thing's going down and I'm in it because I'm dying. I have, I'm having a heart attack. Who's going to help you? There's nobody in the, in the... There's no co-pilot. There's nobody there with you. There's no one else in the plane. When you go through hard times in life, and you will if you haven't already, and you're not connected to a family of faith, and you're not connected to a group where people know you and love you, who's going to help you? Come on, church. Who's going to help you? You're going to struggle with that. Paul said, bear one another's burdens. Now let me tell you what that word burden means. There's several words in the Greek language that talk about a weight or a heaviness. or what. This is the word for a heavy load. Here's my illustration. If you work out in the gym, you know that the bar by itself weighs 45 pounds. Okay, that's an easy thing. I probably could have brought one in here today, put it up on my shoulders, and for the next couple of minutes, because I'm old and can't do it much anymore, I could have held up that 45-pound bar just sitting on my shoulders. But what if some of you came over and started putting some plates on that bar? Let's say you start throwing 45 on there. and I saw now that 45 is now tripled. Okay, I you know, I can handle that for a while. I can. But then you drop 90 more pounds on there. Now I'm getting in trouble because now what's going to start happening is, uh-oh, SpaghettiOs, here I go. And then you come drop two more plates on there, and it's like, (laughs) this is over, and boom, I hit the floor. That is the word that Paul uses when he says the word for burden. It is a heavy load. Listen, listen, listen. It is a heavy load that you can't hold up, and Paul says, bear one another's Heavy loads. Now, let's say you've put 225 or so on my bar. I've got now 225 pounds on my shoulder. That's going to cause a little problem here because at my age, I'm going to start going down. But you know what? What if two of you who work out every day and 225 for you is like, oh, I can do that all day. You come over and one gets on one side, one gets on the other, and I'm, I'm doing this. And all of a sudden, you get up under that bar on this side. And you start doing this. And you over here, you start doing this. You know what happens to me? I've got that weight on my shoulders and I can't bear it. But all of a sudden, you know what happens? It's coming back up. It's coming back up. You know why? Not because I had the strength to do it, but I've got people around me who are bearing my burden. that's That's a good truth right there, church. You talk about B groups, oh, no, listen. You talk about people who are helping you to bear your burden, which you cannot bear by yourself. Paul's not talking about having a little sore toe. Paul is talking about something that is so heavy on you that left unattended, it could crush you. But you get some people to come along beside you and start picking up on that. That's what church is about, Folks. That's what community's about. That's what small groups are all about. And we read on. You can, just to show something else here, in verse three, four, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another. Verse five, for each one shall bear his own load. I think my, the translation that I use says load. That is a totally different Greek word. The first word is a heavy weight you cannot hold up. The second word is a word that we could describe uh, like a backpack. When you send your kids off to school, I mean, do you fill the backpack full of sand and heavy weight? No, you put their lunch and some books in there. Now, that backpack does weigh something, doesn't it? Come on now, it does. But it's not so heavy that your little son or daughter can't carry it with them to school. And Paul is saying, look, Christians, there are some things in life that are just going to be there. They're just a weight that you've You got to you gotta carry it. I'm sorry you've got bursitis, but I can't do anything about that. you just got to carry it. You know, I'm sorry that your hair is falling out. You just got to live with it. I mean, there's just some things you got to live with. I'm getting older. You can't bear that. I have to bear that. There are some things in your life that you just have to suck it up and go. Stephen, I hope you're listening. Why aren't you preaching today? You're laying in a hospital bed. Just suck it up. Come on. Yeah, man up. But B groups can't, B groups can't help you with some of those things. You don't need help with those. You just got to bear it. It's just a backpack. You just got to bear it. There is a Galatians that Paul is writing to, and they needed to know to help bear the weights that can. Oh, I'm telling you, the divorce, the the diagnosis, the kids that are running away, the financial situations, folks, it, it doesn't, sometimes it just gets what? I just don't think I can make it anymore. Camera guys, I'm coming back up. They're just going crazy. And what is that guy doing? You need people to help you. Can I get an amen there? Yeah, that's, good. that's why we're here. This is the best place on planet Earth to find people who will take that bar and help you lift it and bear up under it. Don't ever... Forget that, okay? Now, when I was in seminary, I had four, there were three, of, three other guys, four of us all together, and we formed a, a, a study group and a prayer group that's lasting to this day. And every year we would get together for a retreat, every week we talked to each other. But being a pastor can be a difficult time sometimes especially in the denomination I was in because they could just vote you out of the church. Well, I don't like the way you, I don't like, you know, we'll just get a group together, we'll vote and you'll be gone. It could happen. It did. But I want to tell you something, folks. I knew back in the day that I could pick up my phone and dial one of my friends. Remember this, guys? Remember what this, this is the finger right here. Let your finger, that's what we did. After a bad deacons meeting or a bad business meeting or a bad committee meeting, I'd go in my room and I'd call one of my buddies and say, hey, you won't believe what I just went through today. And they would come along beside me and they would take on the side over here and they would start lifting that up and pulling that up. And you know, when I finished that conversation, I felt like, man, it is so good to have people who can stand beside me and lift up the burden that I bear. I'm just trying to encourage you today. I really am. I just want you to be encouraged that you didn't just come by accident today. Pastor Stephen is not just sick by accident. This is the word God wanted spoken to your heart today because some of you are struggling. Some of you are being crushed with the weight of the world and you don't know what to do. Let me tell you what to do. Get in a family and let the family help pick you up and support what's going on. Okay, now I want to close by asking three things. When we talk about connected and are you connected, the most important connection you make, now listen carefully, don't, don't, don't be distracted now, the most important connection you make is not going to be sign up for a B group. The most important connection you'll ever make is to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior.